ready for our big trip. Are you kidding? Definitely. Four days of fishing, sitting around the sun. Of course we are. Ooh. You know what? She's right about one thing. You are an asshole. Yes. Yes, I am. But I am a satisfied asshole. You know what? I gotta tell you, honestly, I am really, really enjoying this. That's because you're drinking. Well, I drink at home. I don't find this relaxing. very special episode with the talented Debbie Roshan. Let's go around the table. Let's uh, do a quick intro. Uh, John, who are you? Why are you here? John Gillian. That's who I am. Write reviews of John Gillian Cinema Online, and I'm here because I'm just looking forward to talking to Debbie. Okay, very good. Uh, gruesome, <laughs> uh, explain yourself. I am Gruesome Herzog, also known as Scott Geider. I'm an actor, voice actor, producer, and I do reviews at gruesomeherzog.com. Okay, I am Gino McGehee, your co-host of this event. Um, uh, filmmaker, Evil Awakening, Rise of the Scarecrows, Family Secrets, Scary Tales, Sickle, Lone Gunman, which is available on YouTube. And um, I own scaredstiffreviews.com. Debbie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm Debbie Rashawn. I'm here because there's a chip in my head that the aliens put, and they told me to come here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> no, but anyway, regardless of the chip, which is there, yeah, I'm happy to be on the show. Thank you so much. Thank You're you welcome, for, Debbie. for coming forward. Um, you know, I, I read some of your history, and uh, I was very intrigued by it. And, and it's, I find a, a common thread among uh, artistic people. Uh, you were, uh, you basically were on your own from like 14 years old, from what I read. And um, you, you know, you you lived a hard life before you found your way. Uh, do you feel that you would have been where you are now if you didn't have, you know, that trial by fire at such an early age? Well, it's a great question because um, who's to say? But I will say this. Um, you know, just uh, I think we all have something in us that, you know, propels us. Uh, and different things can catch and different things can sort of connect. Everybody's journey is different. That's an old saying, but it's very, very true. You know, I've mm -hmm. always been, um, I've always at least known where I didn't want to be. You know, and that kind of it was the beginning of it. Then I, I fell into what I really enjoyed, and then I just sort of honed in and put blinders on and worked hard. But, um, you know, wherever the road took me for opportunity, I mean, 
you know, I've been doing radio for for a whole bunch of different companies since the mid '90s. Um, mm. Just like two, three years here, then many years span without, then it, it would just come out of the blue. Uh, so it was sort of like a, a unknown part of what I do that it just keeps presenting itself to me. Um, I've always loved writing, but you know, never really thought I'd be published, but have been since '92. Um, mm. You know, certainly with different publications and. You know, well, certainly the acting I studied, so I knew that more than, you know, the others. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, you know, it's a funny thing, and it's a great question, because you think you've seen the true dregs of society when you're living on the street, but then you get into the very high egocentric world of filmmaking, and Mm -hmm. you see that... Okay, the stakes are different, but they're just as high, and therefore just there's slightly different reasons, but the behavior can be just as ugly. Absolutely. And so, okay, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like, wow, that, that was a little revelation there, but it meant that, okay, well, it's highly disappointing and extremely saddening to me, you know, because you like to think mm-hmm. of art at the beginning as art. Oh, but, sure. You know, truth be told, you know, get right to it. It's political. It's who you know. Um, it's working hard also. But, yep. you know, you will meet, meet along the way the dregs, the people who will obsess over bringing you down, the people who, you know, I've met them all. I've seen mm-hmm. them all. Amen. And I know some people who um, are just going through this for possibly the first time, and I just say to them, well, look, it never gets easy but I wish I could take this on for you only because I know how it goes. It sucks mm. bad, you know, to have, like, really good so-called friends turn on you. <laughs> and, yep. you know, they used you, and now that they're not getting what they want, they will then turn on you. And it's quite like a comic book where, you know, you must have friends that become enemies so that you can have arch enemies, right? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you're new- you're right about the entire like the structure of film um, and a, and the different personalities and the different agendas. Um, did you find at, like because I always, I always say that people with the least amount of talent are the biggest headaches. Did you find yeah. that you had okay? <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so you found that uh, dealing with like fake big shots, uh, like you're in my you, you did a lot of micro budget film work. Did you find that to be more of a, a headache than when you moved up to the to the higher budgeted films? Well, you know, it's I still do a mixture, always have, and you know, with any luck, I'll do, I'll continue to do them all if the, you know, if it's something interesting. Although, you know, I'm certainly at a point where I do enjoy money, meaning, you know, I've lived my whole life, you know, bill to bill. Sure. Uh, would be awful nice to be a couple ahead. Who wouldn't like that, right? That's like a little fantasy at this point, the way finances are running um, in the whole country, I mean, not just me. But, um, you know, yeah, I I feel that, you know, I've worked with people like, you know, uh, Billy Drago, just for an example. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, he, you know, whether he's that popular now or not is not the point. He certainly was... And anybody with with his cachet 
certainly could walk on a set and be a little diva-ish if they wanted to be. And you know what? He would deserve it because he's amazing and he's great and, you know, he had a lot of <laughs> success. But right. the polar opposite happens. When somebody is really, really damn good, they've, they've got nothing. They do nothing but give. Yes. They give because they're confident and their confidence and their security shows. It's the Absolutely. people who, who don't have that get panicky and they get threatened and if something good happens to you and they could be like your best friend yep. mm -hmm. you know they're so called right but if yep. something good happens to you it threatens them directly and they don't have it in their in their humanity to feel good for you right on um, you know and, and luckily I know the difference in my world of who's who and once in a while you still get surprised you always will yeah. But that, that just couldn't be more true. And the more, you know, pompous and, and, you know, bullshit people walk on the sets with, it's usually followed by, you know, you watch a performance and you're like, or whatever they're doing, a DP, you know, you name it. And you're mm -hmm. like, wow, really? All that for that? <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. all yeah. that. Yeah. It's just like, wow. Egos. Wow. Shocking. Oh, yeah. and and I had I had a similar uh, situation. I had a filmmaker that I, I had helped. I promoted his work on my website. I really pushed him. I actually got him distribution, and he ended up getting really pissed off because my movies had got better ratings and sold more. Mm -hmm. And and he told me he's like, I don't know why your films sell better than mine. And I told him I don't want to open this can of worms with you, dude. I'm like, just be yeah. happy. And he just went off on me. I was like, "This is really amazing that you know, no good, de no good deed goes unpunished." Right. And you know what? This is—it's sad, but I have to tell you, this just goes on and on with everybody I speak to. It's the same story, their own personal versions, and the fact that 99.9% .9 of the people cannot be fucking happy for you when you put in fucking 30 years and you get mm -hmm. a little tiny bit of acknowledgement somewhere along the line that they can't be happy for you. Mm -hmm. So fuck them. You know, I have some, I'm very lucky. I have a handful of people that I really trust. You know, mm -hmm. Tiffany Shepard is one of them. She will totally be sincerely happy for me and vice versa. But this mm -hmm. is extremely rare. You know, extremely mm -hmm. rare. More often than not, it's sort of like they won't just, they just won't bring it up, like any success you've had, you know, or whatever, you know, uh, uh, some sort of event where you've been, you know, somebody's actually said, you know, given you a fan award or something that's, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of years in the making. It's not something that, that does or should happen being in the business one or two years. And then that's mm. the other thing that kills me too. And the other thing that kills me is like, you know, and you can go men and women both now, nowadays, right? I've seen mm -hmm. directors do this, too. It's sort of like, okay, well, you know, you've been working for, like, two years or so. That's fantastic, you know. You, you've, you've had growth. Beautiful. That's par for the course. But why are you comparing what you're doing? I've been, like, you know, doing it. Well, I was, a, you know, extra for three months in 1980, but mm -hmm. I've been working in film, like, in theater all through the 80s and then the late 80s doing movies since then. This is how long it's taken me. Yeah. So why do you compare, you know, if you're a genius and, and you get it, then God bless, man, I'll be the first one to congratulate you. 
but why are, why are you like so threatened and, and, and want to compare everything and the thing that kills me is that my favorite artist Jonathan uh, Bukowski which who is like not um, around anymore like I saw um, installation at, at the Whitney when I first moved to New York um, he had something up on the wall and it was just it, it stands to this day it's like um, unless you are unique um, and it's the minute you try to you know copy someone else or replicate somebody else including their success that's the immediate moment you're going to fail because mm -hmm. if you look at anybody that you respect you'll say you'll, you'll see okay they had influences but they are completely unique yes you can't copy talent no and and that's how you find your true talent is by being unique and not and stop comparing yourself to others like we all do it but we have to train ourselves not to because that is creative death mm -hmm. I know in uh, in the podcast and review world uh, it's same same aspect it's it's this person is jealous of you and they feaster themselves and worrying about what you're doing and then mm -hmm. when when myself I'm talking about when I'm saying this is when I started this four years ago and Gino knows is I worked my ass off to review to mm -hmm. interview to strive to be uh, up, up honest be myself mm -hmm. be passionate yep. and then you got other people who are still out there today but they're so far behind is because they're more worried about what the hell you're doing. Instead of worrying about themselves, they want to bash you on Facebook or whatever, yeah. and they can't understand why they aren't any more farther than what they were three years ago. And it happens right. in every profession. You know, I'm mm -hmm. just stating that fact of what you said. It happens all the time. All you know, especially, the time. Especially artistically. Artistic people feel the most threatened because that's how they define themselves. Yep. Mm -hmm. and so yeah, I, I've seen the same thing. Um, Debbie, let me ask you a, a, a question here. And John, I'm gonna let you, John, jump in any time because I don't know how to shut up. Um, no, it's good. It's good. It's oh, we nice. need we need the accent just for you know, <laughs> flavor in this thing. So you know, John should be speaking more. He, he's got that flavor. Uh, yeah. But, but, but Debbie, how many films have you been a part of that were were never completed? Uh, I, I've spoken to many of my actresses, and they've been involved in so many productions by by basic clowns that they 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 talk the right talk, but then they never ever have any follow through. And they, they it's like we said before, uh, you know, the uh, least talent gives you the most headaches. They were the right. biggest dicks on the set. So, right. how many times have you encountered that? Now, are you talking about projects that are ideas that never started, or ones that you've shot? But never uh, were released. Let's say ones that you shot and maybe not even have completed shooting, but have started film. Okay, so um, if you know, I'm kind of throwing numbers out, but I'm not, oh, it's the easiest way to do it. I'd say, okay, say I've done rounding it off, right? 250 uh -huh. movies. I would okay. say a good mm, 20 of them will will never ever see the light of day. No kidding. And which is which sounds low, but it's sort of like you know in the beginning it was almost every single one, you know, um, yep. it was mixture with because everybody was shooting in film still at that point, right? The late eighties, but oh, yeah. um, 
you know, that, but through the 90s, you would get a lot of the, the false start movies. Like, you'd shoot a whole bunch of scenes because everybody was like, oh, sizzle reel, we'll get more money. But they don't yep. know that it takes, like, a lot of talent to put together sizzle reel <laughs> to encourage that kind of money that they're looking for. And it's always, like, these, these ideas that, okay, they, they may work for Ron Howard, but they may not work for you, you know? And sure. just them being realistic. So they've fallen apart. So, um, you know, and then in those cases, some of those cases have been very, very, very happy that they fell apart and never saw the light of day. But sure. um, it does happen, and it happens less now because it sounds really mean, but I'm just cutting to the chase here and telling you how I do it now after all this mm. time, after having a lot of my time wasted. Um, I really just, if it's someone that I haven't already done a movie with, and I don't, you know, and I don't know them, I will say, you know, I, I love the fact that you're doing this, I love your concept, but contact me three months out when you have the budget, you have the script, you're ready to, you know, really talk to me about this. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, I, and that's that's really what it must come down to because otherwise you're going to be spending every single day reading scripts that nothing ever happens to, and right. you know that's that's the thing. It's like you have to, you know, and you try to be kind by not sending people off to agents to tell them to blow off. So sure. You deal with people directly, but you know what? And the best thing you can do to get people involved in your movie that have any kind of a name at all is just to be ready. You know, it is it is a professional business. Yes, it's sure. art, but it's a professional business. Right. So you, you should have your budget ready, or at least partially, and then you're working on it. But the script must be ready. You know, mm-hmm. you have to seem like you have it together. It's not like this one line. I mean, okay, this is typical. and but But, you know, trust me. This makes me laugh at this point because you you, you must realize I've seen it all, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll get like a, a message through Facebook, which right away, and I know a lot of people do business through there, but I have a website for a reason. The people who are serious can go over there and, and contact me. Mm-hmm. But you get like a one-line message in Facebook where, you know, and I just recently got it, and the guy's probably listening, so hello, whatever your name is. Um, he sends one-line thing saying, um, was interested if you wanted to be in a movie uh, for 10 days, you know, you'd play the mother of somebody and there's a nude scene. Oh, okay. come on. I'm like, but no, it's not even like the nude scene. Okay, can't even go that far. It's like, um, okay, well, number one, you know, you're not telling me anything right, what the about movie what is. kind of role it is. Yep. When it's shoot, it's like, I always go through this. When, where, how, how much. It sounds uh-huh. cold, but these are the bottom lines. You have to. That, you know, unless you want me to put you off to an agent that's going to blow you off, these are the things that you must tell me, and don't put me in a position to have to ask you. Right. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so, Absolutely. like, it's not even that he mentioned the nudity, but that seemed to be more important to him than the character. Yes. Like, you know, the character's vital, how she moves the story along, you know, what's the meaning of her character? Oh, she's in the bath for two minutes, do you mind that? But it yeah. was just like, sort of like, and it was like the worst pitch wow. I've ever heard, only because what, what even artistically, 
is this going to appeal to me? Well, you know what? You see that. I, I, I'll keep his name out of the mix here. Um, but he's a local filmmaker. He's, he's never completed a film. But his whole agenda, from my standpoint, is to get attractive women into his film so he can star and he can make out with them, record oh, it, and then just probably watch it as his, at his leisure when he's alone with a blanket over his lap. Um, right, he, right. And, and I see this, and actually I can tell you he actually uh, grabbed one of my actress's chests during the uh, production, and she walked. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder, like, I know uh, this, this has to be something that, that you've encountered. Have you, how do you deal with the guy who says, hey, I'm the director, and you've got to do what I say? How do you deal with that hotshot bullshit? Okay, well, as far as that stuff goes, the truth is I, I do very little, if any, nudity anymore. The only time, and you know, I, it's been very, very odd, um, because the, just talking about that part of your question, the nudity I have done, strangely enough, I've basically been by myself, meaning shower, bath, whatever. Yeah. Um, very few, you know, handful of, quote, love scenes, right? And mm-hmm. so the times I have done it, they have been so choreographed. There is no, there is nothing real about them. And if there was, you know, something like that to go down, it just, first of all, it wouldn't. But if there was, it would just, it wouldn't happen. I mean, these poor girls, they don't know. No. I mean, they haven't gone through, um, there's two sides. It's really good. They can all get leading roles without having yep. to go through like 20 years of, of you know paying your dues. Great. But the sad side is you don't go through all that time paying your dues and learning what's right and wrong. Right. Uh-huh. What the lines are. You're not making out. You know, unless you're you're working for you know freaking Cronenberg, you're not sure. going to be doing any of that stuff. You know, it can all be shot in such a way that it, it's, it's all faked as it should be. It's film. Mm-hmm. It's not real. It's cinema. Cinema is the art of capturing visually something that's happening to the aud- audience, thinks is happening. Sex is like killing. Alfred Hitchcock going back to Psycho. Did he really show anything? Uh, yep. Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Did they really, really show anything, or do we think they showed something? Right, this, right. This very well could be the same thing with with love scenes if they're done well, you know? Mm-hmm. And so these things shouldn't happen, and, and I feel bad for these girls really actually being abused. I know now, a bunch of them. Me too. Yeah, it's horrible. And, you know, they should they should make it public because this person doesn't have any right, seriously, no right at all mm-hmm. to to do that to these poor girls. That don't yep. know any better to say no. They think it's that. But you know what? And um, I'm not being rude, mm-hmm. um, but actresses are not fucking whores. Right. Yes. It is a craft. Uh-huh. Watch um, American Horror Story. Watch Jessica Lange. Like you yep. tell me, that woman is not sexy. I'm not talking about age right now, but no, yeah. You know, she. You're going to treat her. Like a professional, you're hiring a professional to make a movie which consists of art, hopefully artistic or, you know, just at least well shot imagery that, yeah. that makes the audience feel a certain way. That's like saying, you know, okay, in order to do the sex scene, we must really kiss. 
Okay, complete bullshit. Why? Because in order to do the cutting off of my leg scene, it doesn't mean I have to really cut off my leg, does it? Right. Yeah, yeah right. Right. So well, I'm and like, no. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. no. <laughs> well, Bottom do, do you, line. Do you find yourself in a position of advisor to like, when you, when you see, like, I, I have a lot of, like Gruesome, uh, a lot of actresses that have worked for me were young, 18, 19, and a lot of them that I speak to, I say, this is a 19-year-old going on 13, and then I start seeing mm-hmm. them involved in these productions, and, and as a, as I'm 39, I, I want to go there and I want to say, hey, you get away from her. Um, mm-hmm. do you, do you find yourself, or do you take the role of advisor, ever take them aside and say, listen, these guys, they're, they're no good? Well, I mean, I certainly have done that, and I've, and I've done, you know what though? I've gone both sides of the coin though. That's the thing, is because at this point, um, I just, it's very difficult for me to keep my mouth shut when something is really, really wrong, inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And so, I will not only go on the side of the man behaving badly, I will also go on the side of the female behaving badly. I sure. did a movie where this actress was, and I mean literally hanging off every guy that had any any level of importance on the movie. Oh, my God. And I just finally, after, after 10 days, I couldn't take it because, you know, I had really important scenes, but everybody was like kind of fell under this spell. Yes. And I was just like, I, I don't need much. I'm, I, I'm kind of a loner, and I prefer it that way, and I prepare that way. But, mm-hmm. you know... To just be completely lost before I'm doing scenes and you're not doing your job as a director, now I'm getting pissed off. So I, I yep. literally went up to her and I said, would you stop hanging off of all of these guys so the rest of us could get some work done? Yep. So I, mean, right. I, I will say that I've, I've you know, spoken to both sides of the coin on this one. So, mm-hmm. yes. I guess the answer is yes, but it doesn't stop with the men. You know, it is the women want to play the men, and then the men just kind of turn to jello. Not all. They turn to jello, some of them, and they just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And everybody else can just, like, you know, not go to hell intentionally, but fall away, you know, and and their performances and everything get, you know, third rating. And then when the movie comes out, and this always makes me laugh, then when the movie comes out, and the people who were there... Was they got like even a hello in the morning? Um, they were there and did their job. The critics will acknowledge their work, and all the ones that got all the attention on the set because they yep. needed to be the bell of the ball or the bow of the ball. If it's a guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, they get nothing. Yep. That's all they were concerned with is their yep. ego. But then hopefully the critics will see who's actually putting in the work, you know, or attempting to put in the work. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the truth will finally come out, you know, that's my theory. Well, Debbie, you mentioned earlier about the email that you got. Now, you Mm -hmm. said even before that last sentence about nude scene. Now, you've been in the business as long as you have. Mm -hmm. Now, coming from my end, if I was seeing email like that, it seems to me like the person who sent you that email is more concerned about nudity, like you mentioned. Right. And it, to me, it creeps me out, and I'm a dude. And <laughs> to me, yes, yes. From, 
from what I'm saying, you know, being a father and a grandfather of nine at the same age as you are, born in 68, uh-huh. it's offensive to me to hear you say that because there's a lot of pigs, P-I-G-S, filmmakers <laughs> that I've dealt with in the last four years can fuck off, can kiss my yeah. ass because they disrespect women. Look, not every horror film has to have nudity. And I've right. said this time and time again. And mm-hmm. you can call me a fag. You can call me anything you want. But I don't need to see nudity in a horror film. And when people come to you and say, Yeah, Debbie, um, i like to know if you want to have a role. Um, but there's a nude scene. I'm thinking, one, you never told her what the name of the movie is. Two, right. you're not even, giving the, even telling you what the role is. And three, no. fuck the nudity. You don't need the nudity. It's Debbie Bershon. That's good enough for your film to possibly get a distributor or whatever. You don't need fucking nudity. End of what? story. Right, what? right. And, and you know what? I'll even, I'll even bypass nudity just for a second and mm-hmm. say... Do you have a title for your movie? Is there a description of the character? Like, you know, just what you said. I mean, really? (laughs) This is just like, if this is just all, right there, what does that say to you? It just says, oh boy, you know this is going to be a very high quality movie. Oh, yes. You know, I mean. 20-something. I mean, like, you know what? I've had many instances where, uh, like, um, recently, not all that, well, recently, yeah, Serial Caller, a movie I did in the UK, directed by uh, Dan Brownlee, super superhuman being. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, I'm, I, I have this uh, scene. I don't want to give too much away, but you know, there's a scene where there's all this plastic surgery that's been done to my body. I'm like really like grotesque, like too much, too much really back, like back alley surgery has been done uh-huh. to like my my body, and I'm kind of like a Frankenstein monster. But, you know, I have prosthetics everywhere, um, and he was just like, you know, completely, you know, read the script. It, it came up, in other words, it came up later, naturally, when you talked about the scene, because you want to talk about every scene. Right, it's yes. all important. And then it came up, okay, well, how are we going to handle this scene? And, mm-hmm. okay, oh, good, well, that sounds good, sure, yeah, you know, let's, let's try this, and... You know, I think it would be more effective if we do it this way. And um, it's, you know, somewhat of a collaboration without, you know, not being true to the material. And, you know, uh, yeah, the conversation comes up when it needs to come up. It's not like the first thing out of your mouth. But that's Mm -hmm. a warning signal, you know. Yes, it is. That's a warning signal. And and I agree with Gruesome here to a a large degree that I I don't put, like, my films really don't have any nudity in them because mainly if it doesn't push the story forward, I particularly don't see a reason for it. Mm-hmm. But I, I also, I, I saw you were in Playmate of the Apes. I think Playmate of the Apes is a hilarious movie. And yeah. the, the the nudity there doesn't really matter. And I also well, think... Well, yeah, Misty, right. I understand, uh, you know. Right, don't... Right, I understand oh, yeah. that. Yeah. But I also, I also think Misty Monday, who was a star of that, was... she. And, and maybe I'm in the minority here, but I always thought she had a certain amount of class, and that that she brought. It didn't seem like a porn movie. It seemed more of like a, a like a fun. You know, it, it, there were sexual elements to it, but it it really it seemed important to the story. It kind of went with the story to where you were in another film, and and I don't want to offend you at all, but I can't not ask you. But the deepening. When I watched the deepening. I was mm-hmm. uh, offended by it. I, I thought that it was, um, I, I didn't think it was very good, but I did think like 
the the filmmakers that incorporated themselves kind of did it just to get with chicks and it was kind of exploitive um maybe you can uh prove me wrong here well, am i wrong about the deepening i saw that too um no i mean i think that um yeah that was that was like a odd it was definitely an odd situation and um yeah i think at the end of the day uh i would have to just completely agree with you and to, and and what my um sort of litmus test litmus test is for something like that is you know whether i walked away and then when they send me the movie i actually watch it and mm-hmm. i've yet to watch it so what does that say that says yeah. okay i must i walked away and i must have felt like uh, <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean and then then what happens is well you don't really talk about it or promote it. It's sort of like, well, you know, it seemed different on the page, and sure. then it kind of mutated, and then, yeah, and then it just becomes something that you don't talk about. I mean, quite frankly, and uh, to be really honest with you, never watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that say? I think that speaks volumes because... Yes. You know, a lot of times, I mean, you know, me and my husband, we're common law, but I call him my husband. We, yeah. we have great, great fun watching, you know, a lot of my movies repeatedly, you know, whether they're funny intentionally or unintentionally, or they're just good movies. And, and, uh, we have a lot of fun doing that. Um, but, you know, there's some that's like, nah, it's just like, eh. It's like you're yeah. getting collecting dust, and you'll never see me talk about it. And it's not even malicious. It's just sort of like, eh, how you walk away from a set is a very important thing, you know. Um, sure. It's it's going to paint, so to speak, um, your whole viewpoint towards the movie. I think, and and if you feel like, eh, that was kind of gross. Then mm-hmm. you were right. I mean, your instincts are always right. And I agree. So I can't disagree with you. Um, as far as you know, working with Missy Monday on the movies yeah. and stuff. Well, as you probably know, if you've seen them, I've always done the comedy wraparounds. Yeah. Um, you know, with uh, John Fidelli and uh, uh, Zach Snegg and stuff like that. So I've always had like a blast working on those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my actual interactions with her were very limited because we would shoot that obviously separately. Sure. Um, I have, you know, I, I think she was able to make a really, really nice, um, you know, uh, career out of what she did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the, the truth be told, I mean, there's not a lot of nice things I would have to say about her. Okay. You know, and that's just like personal experience and, and, you know, completely unnecessary for someone who's a fan to care about what my personal experiences are, continue, definitely continue being a fan. But, mm-hmm. you know, just, just as a human, um, yeah, not, not, not a fan. So, yeah. but it doesn't mean that her, you couldn't enjoy her film work because then it becomes you separate the person from the film work, you know? Oh yeah, and that can be really disheartening when you have a certain idea of what this person is, and then they can be completely different. It can, and I've had that happen before with celebrities, and I also cover boxing, so with boxers. And when I finally talk to them face to face, I'm like, "What a freaking dickhead!" And yeah. it, it really yeah. can burst your balloon a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. There was, um, 
Yeah, there was some some really weird stuff that went down, and I think it was um, who knows what was going on, you know, in in her camp with her sister at that particular time. This is going back a ways when yeah. we were shooting Skin Crawl. There was some mm-hmm. really like messed up stuff that happened, and basically never worked with him again because of it. And these were like my really good best friends, Zach Snick, uh, John Fideli wasn't my best friend, but he's a good friend. And, yep. you know, I brought in so many people to that film, like from, that I knew from Trauma, like, you know, Heidi, who was in uh, Toxie 4, and I brought in mm-hmm. uh, another fellow uh, from uh, some Pittsburgh movies. Like, I brought in like five actor friends of mine that were good, that I thought would really help this movie, and they did. But, um, some shit went down and washed my hands of it and it was like very insulting and you know when the I was told that their lawyer was going to call me up and apologize he he called me up instead and said you know um, well you know I hope uh, you know your feelings uh, are, aren't going to include you know because at that point she was synonymous with the company name sure oh yeah and so, you wow. know, it, you know, well, this isn't going to affect how you treat, you know, you know, this person who is now basically an entity, not really even a person. And I yeah. was like, you know what? Hung up. Because it yeah. wasn't happening. It just wasn't happening. And then, you know, she went down some interesting roads. Can I phrase it that way? And um, did some interesting things to to people. Um wow. And, you know, what can I say? I mean, like, when you get involved with, uh, you know, substances abuse and stuff like that, you know, shit happens. And, yep. and um, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I j- and then, years and years later, seven years to be exact, um, the director, who's, like, just a huge sweetheart, wonderful, wonderful person, seven years later sent me an email that um, apologizing and wow. saying, you know, I I was in the company, and at that time she was just like synonymous with the company name, like you know, she was just branded mm-hmm. the company. And yeah. um, you know, now I see, and my I'm you know clear sighted, and sent me a, a very long apology email, which I really really appreciated. And that's how long sometimes these things can take. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and and like you said, she was. The selling point, and and I had figured something may have happened because they started routing her into horror, and they made one one crappy movie with her, and and I really did think that they were going to to shift focus from like the the the, the comedic Skinamax stuff into legitimate B uh, straight to video horror, and that never happened. So mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense where you're going that. Something must have happened backstage that uh, derailed the money train. Yeah, it's hard to say because also, you know, the bottom was falling out of um, the entire industry at that point. Not just that, like the TNA stuff, which they got like major dollars for, um, mm-hmm. and the bottom fell out of that uh, once those contracts were over and people were moving on from that type of uh, material. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, really hard to to find your way when you're sort of revamping a company and trying to find the next popular thing to make money on. So it's probably like a combination of a lot of things um, that happened. And and now actually, uh, Pop Cinema has turned into a great company that has some really amazing titles and uh, you know good people working there. So it's sort of like had this like full. I don't know if you'd say 180 or 360, but a full turnaround where it's like a really reputable place again, and they handle some very interesting titles. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's just nice to see, you know. It's really nice to see that that they found a really really nice uh, positive niche again. Now, why didn't Head Cheerleader, Dead Cheerleader get better distribution? I thought that movie was funny. Um, I I don't know. I think it was maybe too lowbrow um, you know because it wasn't exactly funny enough and it was, certainly wasn't scary enough to like really sure. find uh, a <laughs> solid home in any particular genre you know what I mean yeah. so I think it was sort of like a little little pieces of, of everything um, but didn't quite deliver fully in any one area so hard to say I mean it's I always like the title <laughs> I mean, that was my I, favorite part of the movie was the title. Well, I, I tell you, what, I had found it online years ago, and I bought it strictly for the title. And See? you know, <laughs> and, and I, it did, and I didn't think it was uh, that bad. It definitely a scream ripoff for sure, but um, interesting, pretty funny, and uh, I, I thought I could have had a run like uh, Bleed did. I think you did Bleed as well, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as Bleed did, and Bleed had a great run. I remember. Yeah, I saw it yeah, every- and they repackaged it actually and re-released it. So uh, just recently, Full Moon. So I'm I'm excited to see what they did. Do, do you know the films that, that I liked you and Debbie was the Bikini Bloodbath. Oh my God! How funny are those? And those guys are amazing. They are. Oh God! <laughs> I love them. They're hilarious. The Bikini Bloodbath guys are all amazing human beings as well as fun, great, supportive. Just can't say enough. I mean, you just don't meet these these type of people enough. And they are total quality people. And then we did the serious movie, um, the Rudyard Kipling uh, Mark of the Beast film, which uh, did, did really well critically. I don't know if a lot of people saw it. But critically, it, it did very well, and um, yeah. And then now he's doing a VHS massacre documentary on the rise and fall of the VHS and nice. going into Sweet. all the new media's. So I'm I'm excited for him. But yeah, good group of people and funny, funny, <laughs> funny. I funny thought movies. their humor was great. <laughs> and that chainsaw cheerleaders is another one I quite enjoyed. Yeah, you know, now that's one I haven't seen, and only because um, I just haven't got around to it. There wasn't anything uh, weird or bad. Um, Just, you know, yeah, I hadn't got around to that one. That was like the first movie I did uh, with Donald Farmer, which, you know, it's not like I've done many, but uh, first movie I did a little bit for him in um, after he had suggested the filmmaker's that I went and did the movie on where I got my fingers cut off, which had nothing to do with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with him. But, um, yeah, so um, many years went by, and then I just did uh, 
few scenes for that, but I just haven't, one of those things, I just haven't seen that one yet. But, yeah, another cheerleader movie. Yeah. Well, they sell. Um, you talked about the title, um, you know, Head Cheerleader, Dead Cheerleader being an awesome title. Um, do you ever, like, is there ever a movie that comes across that you look at it you say, hey, the money's right, the, the, the script is good, but what the fuck is with the title? Um, and if you do, do you ever talk to the producers, or do you feel it's overstepping your bounds? Um, I can't. I'm trying to think of a situation where that's happened. The only one that's happened with was my own movie. And then by the time I finished shooting it, I love the title, Model Hunger. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was yes. like, how? <laughs> what the hell kind of title is that, James? That was the right. Yeah. I was like, come on, Model Hunger? Come on. Do better mm-hmm. than that. <laughs> Yeah. But let me tell you, by the time we finished shooting and everything we did, and it it's right. I mean, it just is. It just is. When you see it, I I, I think you'll know. But I mean, that was like the, the strongest reaction was the film that the only film that I ever directed was uh, the only time that happened to that extreme. No, I've I've always I've always thought the titles are, are really pretty good. Um, some of them are a little. Could be maybe a little bland, but uh-huh. um, I mean, not wrong or bad or you know uh, a detriment to the selling of them. But yeah, that was the only time I was uh, in in the most shock and uh, turned out to be my own movie. So there you go. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I turned around. But Lynn Lowry is very excited about Model Hunger. That's oh. all she. That's all she talked about in her interview last week. She's just amazing. You that, that she. If she doesn't get, you know, uh, 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 the whole desk full of awards, uh, I, then there's just no justice. And I mm-hmm. feel the same about Tiffany in it and, and Brian Fortune, Voltaire. Um, I mean, just like, it list goes on. I'm not, you know, I'm just, Michael Thurber. Uh, I just, you know, every single person, I'm not, you know, intentionally leaving anybody out, but I can't mention the entire cast. Right. Uh, it's just... Everybody is just so good, and it's so reliant on performances in this movie, and yeah. and mm-hmm. that's really, boom! Like when you got them, it's like a whole different animal, yeah. whole different animal. But she said to me, she said, um, "Man, if if Scott, if you thought I was a bitch in Basement Jack, you ought to see me in this one." Uh huh. There is a film, and I'll let John talk. He's supposed to be talking, but there's a film that that, that I got a screener for. It's called Stop Dead. Uh, you uh-huh. know Jason very well. Me and Jason had talks about you, not so bad, but about your relationship with uh-huh. him and his him and his wife. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I yeah. thought Stop Dead was a brilliant film because there wasn't much money there, but right. the kill right. scenes in that movie reminds mm-hmm. me of 1980, where the knife yeah. goes up, and that's it. It, the point, yeah. the point was done, and I emphasize this to all these reviewers today, especially these young ones, that all they want to see is tit and ass and gore. You don't mm-hmm. have to see gore for a horror film to be good. I like it when you ain't got the money and you accidentally, maybe not accidentally, make it an '80s throwback because it works. I mean, in the early '80s, yeah. when the life goes up. You don't see blood, but the point's right. taken, and I thought that movie was brilliant, and I thought you were brilliant in that film because of the character that you had in that film. Oh, yeah, thank you, and I really think that, you know, for just a whole load of reasons, that it's, um, 
if not Jason's best movie, one of Jason's best movies. And, you know, that was a lot of fun to make. I thought he really made something very, very cool with Stop Dead. Like, he's, he really, he really, really, like, just watching his progress, uh, knowing him for so many years is just really incredible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just someone who just keeps working and working and working and working. And, um, you know, that was sort of like, um, like we all have our, as artists, whether we paint, dance, act, or whatever the hell we do, um, we have moments where things kind of shift. Okay, there was a marked difference, and then you go on, 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 until you get to the next plateau. I think that was a definite marked difference right there yep. with Stop Dead. So I agree with you completely. Yeah, because we, we had plenty of talks on the phone for a while, and... And he asked me if I wanted to see it. Of course, you know how filmmakers are. Do you know you're the same way? When you make a baby, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. you see things differently than what a reviewer would see. Like you'll say, I don't, uh, don't, you know, it ain't, it ain't that great, Scott. You know, blah, blah, blah. well, he's right. gonna say that because it's his baby, you know. And then when he's, I think I might have seen it like last year. I think it was. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. dude, this movie's, I love it because it's. Oh, I'm an '80s baby. I mean, I was born in '68, but I'm an '80s horror guy i'm an 80s guy mm-hmm. period and when i can watch a film again that's not maybe not intentionally thrown back to the 80s style but i yeah. enjoy it because i'm actually watching something that i won that i grew up watching and yeah. two you seem to see more of a clever filmmaking when they make films like this because they're getting the point across and it's easy i mean to me it looked easy i mean let's we don't we don't have all the stuff to make it bloody, but let's just do it and see what happens. And he pulled it off beautifully, I thought. That's oh, yeah. And, you know, we were all um, outside rocking the, the RV. I was yeah, yeah. scenes I was rocking the RV with my legs in the <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. Literally. Like, okay, well, if I just kind of, like, sort of act like I'm falling this way because of the road, it's actually going to rock the RV. I mean, it, it was, no, it's, it's team playing. <laughs> Being a team player. But, you know, i got to be honest, yep. it's also a lot of fun. I mean, this is yeah. what, you know, movie I can see that. is. It's not just yep. having the guys who are rocking things for you. It's like, you know what? I can actually use some of my creativity, too. <laughs> and, like, yep. you know, help. Help the situation along. Yeah. And I love that stuff. I love Joe D. Winecoop. Oh, what a passionate guy. <laughs> He's, He's so passionate. He just loves what he does so much. Mm-hmm. Yep. He really does. He just he's a he's a lifer. Yep. Now, um, Debbie, when you um I've always felt like an emotional when I make a film, it is an emotional thing for me. And when you break away when the production is over there is a like a, almost like a, a sadness to it, you know. It's a, it's bittersweet. Um, how do you cope with that? I see you're involved in so many things. Um, how, how do you cope with the, or do you have the separation anxiety thing? You know, the the bittersweetness. I do, but not with every single movie. Like I do, it depends on the people I'm working with. It mm-hmm. depends how long I'm working on the movie. If I go in for one or two days, I will not have that. Like I'll, I'll have like a great time and, you know, be sad to see people for such a short amount of time. But, sure. you know, I get more of that when I'm there for the bulk or the full duration of shooting and the people are all creative, non-egocentric 
you know, yes. filmmakers, and I'm including, you know, the actors and stuff, they're all like on the right page. And then oh, yeah. I, I will get completely teary-eyed and it, it, yeah, it's, it's very, I mean, you know, it happens every time I go to, um, Yvonne Ducone's film sets, he did Color from the Dark and now Wrath of the Crows. Mm-hmm. I get that way even with Stefan Nilla. I've done two movies with him in Italy. One was, um, Solid State and then most recently, uh, Richard the Lionheart Rebellion. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, when people are like such good people and it's the filmmaking is pure from the heart, yes. it's a very different experience. Like, oh, you know, get that way working with, you know, Mel House down in Texas, like experiment, and yep. Mago, stakeholders. Um, then I'll get that way with John Keyes, did American Nightmare, which was amazing, and then we just did Nightmare Box. Um, you know, done, yeah, I mean, the, the list goes on, but, it's uh you absolutely still get it when you when you don't get it it's sort of like um people who maybe are not there for completely the same reasons as you and mm-hmm. yeah. you know, maybe you're there for a short time like super short and um you know then then you could you still have a good time perhaps but mm-hmm. you know you're not you don't have that anxiety that separation anxiety so does it still happen after all these years Yes, but not mm-hmm. every time. Right, you know, only I, when it touches your heart. I, I agree with you. That that is definitely the best way and to put da- it. And Dan, sorry to cut you off, but Dan Brownlee. I've only done one movie with him, but because we put like so much of our souls into it, it felt like mm-hmm. there was that feeling from from making that movie. You know, just it depends how much of yourself you're actually using in the movie. Then it becomes. Like a part of your soul, in a way. Yeah. Oh I'm yeah. In, I'm in his next film, The Undead. Yeah. Yeah. Voice. It's a voice actor role, but yeah. That's I'm, awesome. Yeah. He's so awesome. Yep. He's great, great, great guy. Now, um, I, I don't mean to be hogging this, uh, but uh, D. Snyder. I've heard a lot of negative stuff about D. Snyder, and I, I see you've worked with him. How was your experiences with? Uh, Twisted Sisters, D. Steiner. Nothing but good. I went into it, um, okay, bottom line, truth, tr- true story. I went into it thinking, you know, oh my God, you're a metal guy from the 80s. I was a punk rocker. How's this going to go? Like, you know, mm-hmm. just like not really being, not so much not a fan of him, but not mm-hmm. a fan of that style of music. So, like, I didn't, you know, judge him based just on that, but I was sort of like, what are you really going to have in common? He's done one horror movie, and, uh-huh. you know, so I wasn't, he's done a ton of radio, but, but, you know, okay, so then came together, ended up to be the most amazing, kind, giving, uh, guy. I learned so much from him in many different ways. He's uh-huh. like constantly on the road doing, um, not stuff that you don't hear about in the press because he doesn't like yell it to the rooftops that he's doing it. He's constantly doing charity events for yeah, I've heard children. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, just all kinds of them, like you know, bikers for babies and just like all you know, uh, um, uh, the uh, problem in Long Island with um, all the people starving, like the children starving, uh, mm-hmm. you know, poverty, and in a lot of the stuff you don't hear about. 
and he's constantly doing it. So I have I have nothing but like golden things to say about the man. And and walking in, it's not like oh I thought I was going to hate him, but yeah. I was like oh well this is a huge question mark here. But sure. walking away, so to speak, even though we still talk, I mm-hmm. he is he's golden. You know, he's absolutely golden human. Like he's got a heart of gold, yep. and he gives so much. You know, to everybody, yep. the community, everybody. So, you know, there's this no no one can get me to say anything bad about him. No, yeah, that's the thing that <clears throat> I had heard from several people that he was kind of. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll say like uh, egomaniac sort of deal, but then I had seen a mini documentary where he was—I um, want to say he was inspired. I might be wrong by Mick Foley, the uh, professional mm-hmm. wrestler, and mm-hmm. uh, then he started doing all this charity work. And and when they asked him about it, he was very dismissive of it, saying that a lot of people do a lot more, and but realistically, most people do a lot less. And right. So, so yeah, I, I saw that side of it too, and 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 a lot of times people can rub people the wrong way, and it's it can create a monster, and it doesn't mean it's true. So, um, right. From, well, just to just to like you know go into a little bit of backstory, which will take all of thirty seconds. Okay, here's a man that had to fight in, in a time where hair bands had people like Brett Michaels in their prime and all mm-hmm. the pretty boys, bon, uh, John Bon Jovi and all these like pretty boy front men and mm-hmm. he was not that. He had to slather makeup on his face and, and become, you know, and I'm not saying this disparagingly, but he yeah. had to become a form of a clown because yeah. he had to kind of hide his looks to a certain degree. But mm-hmm. he had the voice to back it up, and so like, he had to do that to compete and 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 make make it work. Like really, like pull himself because he was very very poor growing up, and mm-hmm. so to pull himself up, and, and you know he had to do it. Now, when I first met him, we were, you know we did the the test show for Sirius, and they loved it, and so we were in the Sirius Studios, and you know he definitely said, you know, yeah, I'm the cock of the walk, you know. But he mm-hmm. said it in the sense, like, of somebody who had extremely healthy confidence, not a complete asshole who couldn't back it up with any talent. Yeah. And there's a difference. And you know what? You've got to have a, an element of that to make it, because mm-hmm. you're going to have everybody and their fucking dog and mother putting you down. Mm-hmm. Sure. So if you can't believe in you, hang it up now. So. Yep. If he walks in a room, and he always told me, like he was giving me advice, he was like, you know, when you walk in a room, you own the room. You have mm-hmm. to. You're in this business because of this specific business that we're in. Because oh, otherwise yeah. people will, will, will look at you as weak. And yep. it's not, and that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. No, you, so. you're right, and, and he's right. Um, and realistically, like... Uh, I was a Twisted Sister fan. Me too. Uh, and in junior high, I actually got in trouble for putting the Twisted Sister sign on my history book. Um, but <laughs> if you, <laughs> but but if you match realistically, you know, throw looks aside and everything, just the music alone. Their music was very catchy, very good, yeah. and even their later stuff, "Come Out and Play." 
I, I yeah, think yeah. is one of the, their best uh, albums. We're gonna take it. Just a yeah, f- yeah. No, and he, very underrated, like in a lot of ways. And, and like I said, you know, I, I I was honest with him too. Like going in, I I couldn't say that I was a fan, but I had been a couple years in a row to his Christmas show. Oh, and, like man, nobody just nobody kicks it out like him. Nope. And, you know, I'm not even going to bring age into it. I don't care if they're 19 and he's in his, you know, early 50s when, when you know, I went to go see him. They wouldn't have been able to do what that guy did. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking way. He's great in concert. I mean, yeah. Man. Yeah, exactly. He can, he can entertain. Oh, yes. he's he's always been like that. The uh, Twisted Sister was, like, like you said, it was hard to make it in that hairband era. And he's clumped into that group and... He was made of uh, firmer, or at least the band was made of firmer stuff. They, yeah. they like I, like Iron Maiden was called a hair band, no, and hell no. Iron, Iron Maiden is such a wonderful, talented band. But you get the people that are just dismissive of that era altogether. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Screw them. That's the best music there is. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on no, that stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, and a lot of people just they freaking love it man i mean like it's even now more than ever i mean mm-hmm. you know it's it's nice to have a resurgence because these guys deserve to to have you know and i mean this sincerely they they deserve to go out in the road and make some money so they don't have to spend their old age poor because we've all seen it in the horror business with mm-hmm. you know vampira and and all these 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 great cult celebrities that we've loved all our lives and there they are you know, we've loved them, but they they don't have socks to put on their feet. They're so poor. Sad. Yeah, it's, that's you that know, sucks. I mean, like, and, and you know, there is no comeback uh, tour for them. You know, so I I no. love it. I I love you know tours and stuff like that. And I, I I'm obviously because of you know where I'm at in my life, but I I've never been an ageist. No, and, and you know, a lot of it, a lot of the problem is in the United States. They're promoting shit like Miley Cyrus and, and Justin Bieber. And if you look at, going back to Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden sold out a concert, I think it was in India, of 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If they if they played their music over here, they would still be as popular in the States as they should be. But it's the media that's dictating who gets the shots. And, right. Exactly. And my, fucking Miley Cyrus. My dear Lord. Oh, my good. Oh, yeah. Well, that's another hour for another time. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Lady Gaga and all that garbage. Well, Lady right? Gaga. John. 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 Okay. Yeah, I'm still alive. John, I've only got a few more minutes, so I want to talk to John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello, Debbie. It's nice after, I don't know, was it two hours? Yeah. To get to say hello to you. How are you doing tonight? You've been busy? <laughs> really great. And it's great cool. to hear your voice, John. It's, it's nice to speak to you after waiting so long. But Gino did say to me, he said, look, John, he said, you're a fucking Englishman. I don't like English. Don't talk. Wow, what an asshole. Yeah, I agree. I agree. John, I'll have to, you bastard. I'll have to say to Gruesome, because Gino wouldn't stop talking. I've written a list out of, of 50. I tried to cut your... Why did uh, you? I did you too. I'm not talking to you. Go away. I tried I'm to cut. <laughs> <laughs> I tried you know, to like, 
Uh, we could al- we could always do a part two, but I'm just throwing yeah, that out there. We, so go ahead. I, f- I think I think we're going to have to because I didn't get a chance to speak to Groove, so I tried to cut a list down of your films to talk about, and I cut it down to fifty. <laughs> See, yeah, John, uh, where you been? Where you been? We've been yeah. talking about music. I'm not even in the music industry. <laughs> yeah, he's, he told me, <laughs> See what happens, told, John, when you're not, you know, not, heading the thing up. Uh, <laughs> we, go, we go off on tangents for hours. That's it. Uh, but yeah, maybe talk. if you guys are, are so kind, it would be really yes, awesome. We would love to. Part two. I still like to ask. <laughs> I still like to ask the opening one because it is interesting to ask each person how uh, you actually got into acting. Oh, well, happy to tell the story. Hopefully the listeners don't already know it, but um, I was homeless in Vancouver before I moved to New York, and um, I actually just, you know, making the whole story short, I walked into a casting call for, ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains, which had Ray Winston, one of his first roles, Sex Pistols, Clash. um, Yeah, uh, brilliant. Laura Dern. Diane Lane, like a lot of these people's first movie or second movie tops, like everybody was like majorly young, um, as was I, and I was like uh, one of the featured extras for three months, and I got paid $300 cash a week, and that's actually what changed my life, because uh, without getting like the feedback, because a lot of the other the other people hired to do the, the background work, they were just like sort of like bored, and you know, they, they didn't care, but me, I was like obsessively trying to do everything feedback actually is what changed my life like I actually had the assistant director say good to me once and that was the first time in my life I heard that from somebody so I was like wow okay this is what I'm going to do probably save my life because everybody that I know and I actually have been reconnecting with some people recently for the you know work I'm doing on my book are dead long dead and um, you know really saved my life so um, that's the the short version, but um, yeah. So that was um, it was a, a pretty amazing experience because it it not only started the film, but it also quite literally saved my life. And you know, not being dramatic about it, just those are the facts. And very grateful for the whole thing. I've tried to explain to Gina about Ray Winston being such a good actor, but because he's English. Unfortunately, he doesn't go for it. Um, <laughs> He's amazing. I like Benny yeah. Hill. Yeah. He's I'm, good I'm... in everything. <laughs> Sexy Beast. Did you see, see his daughter in Donkey Punch? <laughs> I did see Donkey Punch. Yeah, uh, that's that's a good film. John you know needs a Donkey Punch. You know what she said to me? She came on the thing for your radio show, and I, asked, I said, knowing her dad, because her dad was so in character as a punk rocker, and I was at this like really small party one night where he was there, and because me and my friend and Paul Cook from the Sex Pistols were standing in the corner laughing, he like ripped the phone out of the wall just because he was so in character, right? And he heard us laughing, and he like yeah. threw it right at our heads, and oh, uh, th- that always stayed with me. And of course, he did these intense roles and amazing fucking roles. Like he's so good. But um, I said to her, even just from my personal experience, I said, has your dad seen the movie? And she said, oh, hell no. <laughs> and the, the guy who was having sex with her in the movie was also on, and he said, oh, no, I would have to leave the country if he saw this movie. 
And John, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. I've not, I've not, I've not seen the movie. I knew about it before it came out because at the time I was a big fan of the Sex Pistols. But uh-huh. still to this day, still yeah. to this day, I haven't seen it. I've got to be honest. Um, <coughs> can I just bring up? Uh, what, have you got time for me to just bring up one more film? Sure. Yeah, because it, it um, do you know agree it? it has got the uh, finest actor in the world in. It's called Vampire's Kiss with Nick Cage. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was like very small. Like I had one line with him at the bar, which was cut out. So that's like a sad. It's a good story because it was so amazing to me, you know, because Jennifer Beals was in the the um, the booth right beside me, and there was you know Nicholas Cage and everything, and so it was a very very exciting time because like it sort of had promise of of what would be um what could be and uh they cut the line which was fine with me really because at the end of the day it was sort of like the experience of it was really what was the most important thing to me um and so that was that was very cool i look back at that movie and i just adore it adore that movie i think it's genius a genius take on on vampirism if you will um, but all these people super cool, and Jennifer Beals like really really shy. Um, didn't know, obviously someone like me wouldn't get to know them well under those circumstances. Unlike ladies and gentlemen, fabulous scene, which I you know spent three months with these people. But they were they seemed to be extremely extremely courteous and nice, and and Nicolas Cage was just so kind and there and not blowing you off at whatsoever, you know, because yep. you just have one lot. No, everything was important to him, and and uh, yeah, it was a really, really good experience. So, well, like I have like a lot, lot that, to say about that, because it's so minuscule, but you know, definitely very positive. Well, like you said, the people with the most talent, uh, they, they have that confidence, like Nicholas Cage you. does. And, uh, yes, uh, and, and, and there you go. Thank you. And when he chooses the right material, he's got the, you know, the talents obvious. Second to none. Uh, John, go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. I, I shot myself in the foot, didn't I? <laughs> 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 I'm, man enough, I'm man enough to say it. Well, uh, well, Debbie, uh, just let you and me and John have a war about Nicolas Cage. That I contend he's fantastic. John contends he sucks. But you know, but I would have to before we do part two. Maybe I need to send John the movies I liked him in because there's movies I hate him in. Mm-hmm. And oh, thank so you. Maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe we can come to terms. Well, yeah. Well, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping that we can have a cage match where we can finally determine which one is right because John's just been running off at the mouth. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, That's big talk. As you can tell, he doesn't know how to shut up. Uh, Debbie, Wicker Man remake, good or bad? Um, didn't work for me. Yay! Yay! <laughs> didn't work Yay. for me. No, Ghost, no, Ro- Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, wanted it to, but <laughs> didn't need to. It was from that time. You can't copy, yeah. you know, all the free spirits from the original that were, like, dancing around. There's just some times in, 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 
in this world. There's some there's some eras and times and moments that you can't recreate. I mean, it becomes like okay, they're more devilish or more witchy or it's not like this sort of weird witchy slash hippie slash whatever that's yeah. from the era of the film that was made and there's just things that were meant to be kept when they were shot and there's other things that need to be remade but that's mm. one yeah that's that, that's <laughs> one that didn't need to happen I, I think it's it's so ridiculous it's good I think Nicolas Cage when he when he turns it on you know when, oh. and, the, and in the I'm Wicker so, Man so he, he, he turned with John in the Wicker Man he turned it on just like an 8mm he oh, turned it on to the max and, and uh, I, I don't know I, I'm a you know I gotta say the Wicker Man remake was amusing when he was getting the bees and how to get burned how to get burned I, I crack up laughing whenever I see it yeah maybe that's, maybe that's not what they wanted I don't think it's what they wanted no. <laughs> I don't think it's what they wanted but you know alas there you go but we should uh, do part two, guys. Well, I should yeah. mention one film only because of the DVD release is coming up. That's Caesar and Otto's Deadly Christmas. Yes, which I'm like, I don't even know. I guess he's using maybe footage from another movie that I yeah. did with him. Um, so, yeah, that. And uh, in a couple days from now, As Night Falls is hitting DVD. Love that movie. By Breaking Breaking Glass Pictures, yep. as a matter of fact. I got so my screener from him. Yep, yep. Nice. And yeah, I really, really nice. And Rust the Crows will be early next year, and Imago will be soon. And yeah, so we got yeah a couple things come out in December. Um, both, um, or I should say November for As Night Falls, and then uh, I guess it's December for uh, Caesar and Otto's Deadly Christmas. Yep. So. And you were in this corny yeah. film, Teen Eight, Teen Eight versus the Monster Nazi Apocalypse. Yes. I want to tell you something. I love films just like that. It's yes. corny, retarded, but fun. Yes. <laughs> and they're, they're, whatever you see, that's as fun as it was. <laughs> I believe it. Oh yeah. my God. Had a riot. Had a riot making that. Yep. So yeah, yeah, that was that was true. Just. That's just like, you know, to hell with any method, I'm just going to have fun. <laughs> and that, that's all it is, just yeah. going to have fun. It was hilarious. It was like so off the wall. It's just, it's, it's excellent. Yes. <laughs> well, my taste goes from one extreme to another, so I can like really hardcore serious stuff, you know. Like Wrath is just exceptional. Exhumed, I think, is exceptional. Um, Dry Bones, another movie coming out in uh, uh, early 2012, I believe, is going to be like another really cool movie. Sick but, Boy um, was great. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got it's something to please everybody. We could put it that way. There's something to please everybody in this slate of films. <laughs> From the ridiculous and sublime. To the serious and artistic. To a mother of a sick boy. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's just sick. He'll be fine. Don't go down his room, though. He must stay up right. here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say this five times and will you listen? Nope. But they never do. Yep. All right. Absolutely. Well, Debbie, it's it's been absolutely awesome. 
It's yes, thank you. Yeah. And and, and John, John, thank you. We John. will continue. Let's yeah, continue. Thank you, Debbie. It was nice. It was nice talking to you. You for seventy-five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll start. We'll start it next time. That's that's the plan. That's what, what we'll do, do. What we'll do is me and Gina will put tape on our mouths. <laughs> we'll just let John talk. That's, that's right. It's going to be you know definite. At least a two, two hours with John before we even introduce you guys. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. That sounds good to me. <laughs> That's if well, I call thank you all. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thanks, Debbie. Coming on. Great having okay. you on. You have a good one. Bye-bye yeah, now. Take care. We'll see Bye. you. Bye.